This is the BBC Light Programme. Yeah, I love Oh, I do wish you wouldn't creep up on me like that. What's the matter? Don't you like surprises? No, I don't. Here? I bought you a present. No, I'd rather not. Oh, go on. Take it. It's a symbol of our friendship. Oh, all right. What on earth is it? It's an X-ray photograph of my chest. <laughs> what are you giving me this for? It's just to show you my heart's in the right place. Well, it's about time somebody saw through you. Oh, well, if that's the way you feel, you better make the announcement, and you? Honestly, sometimes you offer your friends you to people. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, whatever happens during the next 30 minutes will certainly be beyond our care. Among those taking part are Sir Roger Cantaloupe, Ebony Figment, Miss Cordelia Lullington Cove, Edward Smith... Who? Edward Smith. Mm, somebody's got a very vivid imagination. <laughs> <laughs> to continue... Francis Camembert, J.P., Pandit Bert Higgins, and, of course, Mr. Kenneth Horne, who prefers to remain anonymous. Ladies and gentlemen, Kenneth Horne. Hello, good evening, and first of all, he has a special message to all New Zealand cricketers. Don't cast a clout till May is out. <laughs> Well, now, tonight I was going to talk to you about the excavations on Salisbury Plain, but I'm afraid I just don't dig that sort of thing. So, um, instead, let me tell you about some of the things that happened to me last week. On Monday, I went to Bisley for the Large Boar and Small Arms Championship, which I won, being unanimously adjudged the biggest boar with the smallest arms. <laughs> on Tuesday, I was going to Stoke Newington, but uh, somebody had already stoked him. <laughs> So I stayed at home and washed my hair. <laughs> As usual, I gave it a shampoo. I couldn't get a real poo. <laughs> and I set it with the new miracle spray marketed by Max Rubinley. Well, now I know their slogan is accurate when it says, it comes out a treat. <laughs> However, I put it back with a new preparation called stick a hair on. So all was well in the end. Or the sides, anyhow. However, <laughs> Thursday was really a momentous day. I remember it was a glorious morning, and I decided to have my breakfast in the garden. Oh, Auntie has gone down the drain pipe. Everything's going ah, toast, marmalade, and wasps. How pleasant it is breakfasting out in the open air. I've always felt that communing with nature does something to a man. Oh, oh, prudence, prudence. Oh, oh, Lord, good gracious, sir, whatever's the matter? I think I've been stung on the ear by a wasp. Oh, dear, sir, which one? I don't know, all these wasps look alike to me. <laughs> Come now, sir, let's have a look. Oh, uh, there's nothing here, sir. Must have been a blue bottle. Anyway, I don't know why you can't have your breakfast like any other decent, respectable person in bed. Well, I like it out here, Prudence, just sitting back listening to the droning of the lazy bees as they, as they put up that scaffolding over there. <laughs> oh, and, uh, and, and by the way, Prudence... Yes? Put out my tweeds, will you? They've been smouldering in the wardrobe for weeks. Very good, sir. Oh, look, there's a helicopter. Good. Good heavens, it's coming down. Oh, hi there, permission to land. Well, you can't land in my garden. There isn't room. Are we going to 
make it so this machine can land on a postage stamp. Oh, oh, Prudence, bring my album, will you? <laughs> I don't bother, sir. I'm coming in now. Oh, jolly well done, sir. You've taken the top off my boiled egg. <laughs> well, now, uh, what can I do for you? Well, allow me to introduce myself, Captain Marshbanks of the Whirlybird, sir. Air ferry service. Well, fancy that. There's a ferry at the bottom of my gun. <laughs> oh, that's very good, isn't it? Now, um, what, what do you want? Well, sir, it's, it's like this. You see, I'm looking for an urm, sir. An urm? Yes, sir, an urm. An urm. Well, well, you won't find one here at this time of the morning. Oh, I don't know, sir. We have a saying in the service, the whirly bird catches the urm. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, what exactly is an urn? Well, it's only just been invented. What's it used for? Oh, lots of things, but principally for cracking jokes about the whirlybird catching the urn. I see. <laughs> oh, well, sir, I must be off now. Well, it's been awfully nice meeting you. I say, uh, are you going anywhere near the West End? Well, as a matter of fact, I am. Oh, good. Perhaps you give me a lift. Delighted, sir. Hop in. Thank you very much. Oh, sir. Oh, fine. Oh, look, there it is. That, that's the flat down there. Oh, a friend of yours, sir? Yes. Oh, a friend is nowhere to land. Well, never mind. I'll jump. Well, cheerio, and thanks for the lift. <laughs> Hello, it's Pat Lancaster. What are you doing? Oh, nothing. I just happened to be passing, so I thought I'd drop in. <laughs> well, you startled me. I was just rehearsing my song for the show. Well, what a coincidence. Perhaps you'd like to sing it for me now. I, I hope it's about me again. What's it called? It's a wonderful thing to be loved. Oh. It's a wonderful thing to be loved. It's a feeling that's simply divine. Nothing sets you aflame like the sound name when it's followed by darling be mine it's a wonderful thing to be told that you're thrilling the hand that you hold while the lips that you share promise they will be there as long as the heavens above you've the world on a spring it's a wonderful thing to be loved by the one that you Like the sound of your name When it's followed by darling be mine It's a wonderful thing to be told That you're thrilling the hand that you hold While the lips that you share Promise they will be there Jolly nice, Pat. You know, that's the first time I've heard you sing in A-flat. <laughs> oh, dear, the whirly bird catches the air. I like it very much. Yeah, I'll tell my furrier sometime. Anyhow, 
Pat, it's a jolly nice place you've got here. Yes, I like it here in the Mews. Oh, Mews, so that's where you get your inspiration from, is it? Well, you'll never believe this, Ken, but these Mews flats were converted from stables. Really? How interesting. Barnabas Lancaster, come along, Dobbin, up the stairs. <laughs> They, um, they weren't very well converted, were they? Oh, I've got used to it by now. Especially old Dobbin, he's harmless enough. Except that he hates the sight of Spurs. Probably a Chelsea supporter. <laughs> Ken, would you like a cup of coffee? Yes, I'd love one. Would you answer the door, Ken? That'll be the chimney sweep. I've been expecting him. Right, Hal. Oh, hello, Sooty. Oh, I beg your pardon, madam. Good morning. It's a flag day and I'm making a collection. Oh, well, just a minute. Now, uh, there you are. There's two flags for you. Oh. Oh, dear. Thank you. Was that the sweep, Ken? Silly of me. I forgot to ask. I'll get it. Uh, easy, clean, vacuum, chimney sweeps at your service. Good morning. Oh, good heavens, you look absolutely spotless. Oh, of course, sir. Surely you've heard of a clean sweep. <laughs> yes. Our motto is absolutely no mess in the room, no muck on the carpets, and no soot in the hall. Well, extraordinary. What happens to it? We leave it all up the chimney. <laughs> I see. Well, now, how's business? Well, sir, things have been pretty black just lately. <laughs> I'm happy to say the business is looking up. Now, where is this chimney? Well, I, I think it's by the fireplace. By Jove! You're right! <laughs> OK, Fred, bring in the equipment. I'll just nip up and have a deco. That old black magic got me in its spell. That old black magic, ooh. Blimey, it's dark in here. Fred? Hello? Let's have the torch up. Coming up. Ah. I say, you're all right up there. Oh, yes, thank you, sir. Just a touch of the flu. <laughs> oh. 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 Been on the cold side up here. Hold on, Governor. I'll light a fire. You, <laughs> you stupid dunderhead. Light a fire. You're a bright spark, I must say. Now then, let's have the number five iron up here. Right. I'll just poke around a bit. Hello, hello, hello. What do we got here? Oh, oh, it's interesting. I'm coming down. <whistles> Madam, there's a stalk up your chimney. Oh, no. Are you sure? Positive. Well, I'll be off. Well, you can't just go like that. Oh, no, no, of course not, no. Where can I wash my hands? Wash your hands? What are we going to do about this stalk's nest? Well, no concern of ours. I'd try the fire brigade if I were you. All right, Pat, don't worry. Leave this to me. Fire station, please. Hello there, Piccadilly Fire Brigade. Oh, I wonder if you could help me. We've got a stalk up the chimney. Is it on fire? <laughs> 
No, of course not. Oh, got its head stuck between the whaling? No. Is it flooded? No. Sorry, can't help. <laughs> oh, dear, what am I going to do? Now, don't worry, Pat. Everything's going to be... Hello. Look here, did you say a stalk? Yes, that's right. Extraordinary thing. off now, madam. Thanks for the use of the bathroom. I hope you don't mind, but Fred and me took the liberty of having a bath. <laughs> yeah, I had the sharp end and he had the taps. <laughs> yeah. We'd like to congratulate you on your lovely sunken bathtub. But I haven't got a sunken bathtub. You have now. Good morning. <laughs> now then, I've got it. I'll try the post office. They're usually quite helpful on these sort of things. Hello? Just hang on a moment, I'm on the other phone. Now look, madam, I can't help it if it was marked fragile, and it went to Rhodesia. We've told you enough times, post early for Christmas. All right, madam, right to the postmaster. See if I care. And you. <laughs> Hello, sir? Mount Pleasant? <laughs> oh, good morning. Uh, can you tell me what I should do about a stalk up the chimney? Well, sir, when was it posted? It's, it wasn't posted. It's a bird I'm talking about. A what, sir? A bird. I'm sorry, sir, I can't hear you. I've got a bird up the chimney. Oh, have you? What's the matter? Our old man come home suddenly. Oh, what's the goose? <laughs> well, we've tried almost everybody now. The police, the water board, Peter Scott... Never mind. Perhaps the League of Feathered Friends will send someone round. They seemed interested. Yes, they did. So I'm going to have one last try. Hello, uh, electricity board? Hello. Hang on a minute, sir. I'll just switch this thing off. Oh, that's better. You'll have to hurry up, sir. I've got half London blacked out. <laughs> Right, now, well, it's to do with a stalk up the chimney. AC or DC? I'm, uh, <laughs> afraid I don't know it's sex. <laughs> well, you haven't actually seen it. Yeah. yeah, whatever induced you to phone up the electricity board about a stalk up the chimney? Well, I don't, I don't know, really. I, I suppose it was, um, well, it gave us a bit of a shock, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, um, can you help? No, I'm afraid I can't, sir. Not if you're going to crack jokes like that. <laughs> I'm as much in the dark here as you are. Oh, that reminds me. Now, Ken, don't worry about it anymore. Have another cup of tea. Well, thanks, I will. Tea? It was coffee before. Oh, I see. It denotes the passing of time. <laughs> oh. Oh, good afternoon. I'm from the League of Feathered Friends. The name is Ethel Crow. <laughs> Just a coincidence. <laughs> well, well, now, a little bird told me that you've got a stalk up your chimney. <laughs> well, I just had to come, so I suppose you might say the stalk brought me. Excuse me, uh, uh, madam, were you laughing? <laughs> yes, uh, but I'll let you into a secret. 
It's also the mating call of the duck-billed platypus. Uh, uh, and of course, you know, it is a bit embarrassing at times, as you can well imagine. Yes. Yes, I can imagine. But look, now, what about this stalk? Oh, yes, yes. The chimney. All right, I'll just pop up and have a peek. Yes, and then pop out again. All right. Well, now... <laughs> Uh, thank you very much, Miss Crow. Right now, up you go. I'll help you. Now, now, whereabouts is it? Oh, 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 I say I can't move. I'm stuck. Oh, oh, oh. dear, now we've got to stalk and a crow up the chimney. <laughs> well, here we go again. Fire station, please. <laughs> Well, we got it sorted out in the end. Eventually, a representative from the zoo came round and removed them both. The stork's nest was taken to safety, and if anybody wants to see Miss Crow, well, just pop along to the zoo, the birdhouse, of course. And while you're there, pass on to another interesting exhibit, a little number labelled The Chivalrous Shark, kindly donated by the Malcolm Mitchell Trio. The most chivalrous fish of the ocean to the ladies for bearing a mile. Though his record be dark, the man-eating shark will eat neither woman nor child. Will eat neither woman nor child. A doctor, a lawyer, a preacher, he'll gobble one any fine day. But the ladies bless him, he'll only address him politely and go on his way. Politely and go on his way. I can readily cite you an instance where a lovely young lady of breed who was tender and sweet and delicious to eat, fell into the bay with a scream. Fell into the bay with a scream. She struggled and flounced in the water and signaled in vain for her bark. She'd surely been drowned if she hadn't been found by a chivalrous man-eating shark. By a chivalrous man-eating shark. He bowed in a manner most polished, thus soothing her impulses wild. Don't be frightened, he said, I've been properly bred And will eat neither woman nor child And will eat neither woman nor child Then he proffered his fin and she took it Such gallantry none can dispute While the passengers cheered as the vessel they neared And a broadside was fired in salute And a broadside was fired in salute And they soon stood alongside the vessel When a life-saving dinghy was lowered with the pick of the crew and her relatives too The mate and the skipper aboard And the mate and the skipper aboard So they took her aboard in a jiffy And the shark stood attention the while Then he raised on his flipper and ate up the skipper And went on his way with a smile And went on his way with a smile This shows that the prince of the ocean To the ladies for bearing a mile Though his record be dark The man-eating shark Will eat me the woman, nor child. And now we come to the special Kenneth Horn documentary feature, Hornorama. Yes, each week at this time, Kenneth Horne and his team of investigators bring you a factual report on topics of immediate interest. And tonight, we present a close-up on sport. Does it interfere with smoking and drinking? 
Another question we might ask is, how does Great Britain stand in the field of athletics? On your marks, get set. And that's another victory for Australia. <laughs> Hetherington, where on earth have you been? The others finished ages ago. Oh, so it was such a lovely day, I decided to walk. <laughs> However, we are not without our successes. I have much pleasure in presenting you as winner of the women's 100 yards with this gold medal. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> So much for athletics. Now let's turn to the noble art of boxing, one of the many sports that has increased in popularity since more time has been devoted to it on television. Colonels, ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner at 456 pounds, unbeaten in 230 contests, the terror of the ring, the Brixton Mangler himself, Killer McGee! And in the green corner, no one. In, uh, in every sport, of course, champions emerge who seem to be unbeatable. Take rowing, for instance. We're going to have a word now with Mr. Desmond Crumble, who has actually won the Diamond Skulls for the last 22 years running. Uh, no, no, no. Rowing. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Now, now uh, tell us briefly, Mr. Crumble, just how do you manage to do it? Oh, well, it's just one of those things, I suppose. I keep in perfect physical condition. I've had a tremendous amount of experience. Then there's my knowledge of the course, my specially designed boat, and this cunningly concealed outboard motor. Football. Every year when the new season starts, interest centres around the star players for whom the clubs have often paid substantial transfer fees. Such a player is Ambrose Jaeger of Chocolate Athletic. Oh dear. He is in fact their new soft centre forward. And Jaeger has got the ball now. He's trapped it beautifully and he's fairly streaking down the left wing. He passes one man and another. And a lovely slope to the right to stick him in the penalty area. He's got a wonderful chance now. The goalkeeper comes out but it's too late. Jaeger shoots and it's a goal! Well, that's Jaeger's fourth goal of the match. And I really think we ought to have a word with the team manager who is sitting beside me now. Well, Mr. Waring, what have you got to say about this boy of yours? If I've told him once, I've told him a hundred times. We change ends at half time. <laughs> The soft centre forward, I like so much. <laughs> and out of the quieter, more sedate indoor sport of snooker, our reporter Cecil Snaith is at the moment waiting to report on the All England Snooker Tournament at the Leicester Square Hall. So over to Cecil Snaith. And I'm sitting here now in the hushed atmosphere of this tense contest. 
and away in the distance I can see a myriad of multicolored snooker balls delicately framed against the vast green expanse of the table. All around me are grouped well-known snooker players. In fact, there are queues everywhere. <laughs> and uh, at this point, the champion, Joe Briggs, seems to be rather undecided about his next shot. I say, Joe, why don't you take a long rest? And why don't you belt up, Baldy? <laughs> oh. Well. He seems to have made up his mind now. Yes, he's, he's going to attempt a very difficult shot. And to get a better view of this, I'll just lean over the table. Yes, if he brings this off, it certainly will be a remarkable stroke. And... Here he goes. Mm. <laughs> and this is Cecil Snaith from the top right-hand pocket returning you to the studio. And thank you, Cecil Snaith. Another sport that is capturing wider audiences is all in wrestling. So let's drop in now at the Albert Hall. Oh, sorry, wrong night. <laughs> well, instead, let's visit the all-in wrestling at the De Montfort Hall Paddington and eavesdrop on a typical clash of giants. Between Bert Maserati, the Cleethorpes Crusher, and Fred Fernanza, the Terrible Turk. Hello, Bert. Hello, Fred. How's the wife? Lovely, thank you. Oh, your nipper's getting on. They're fine. Growing all the time, of course. Here, we haven't been on the bill together for a long time, have we? No, we haven't. Here, I'm not hurting you, am I? No, 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 of course not. That was just one for the crowd. Here, tried any good locks lately? Yes. You remember my half Nelson interlocking vice grip? Uh, yes. I've got a new twist on it. <laughs> Have you? Come on then, show us. All right. Oh. oh, so that's how it is, is it? Well, two can play at that game. Oh. Steady, Bert. My, my son, Bert. Yes. <laughs> oh, you'd forgotten that one, hadn't you? Yeah, yeah. remember this one? Oh! oh dear, I can't bear to look. They must be hurting each other. Oh, not a bit of it. It's all a put-up job. Now we pass on to another traditional sport, for what could be more British than hunting and shooting? Now, first is shooting. Yes, to some people, there's nothing more exhilarating than a day at their favourite shooting lodge. I say, Carstairs, is my husband back yet? Yes, madam. Oh, good. Then I've shot a stag. <laughs> And finally, hunting. 
Yikes, Rodner. Kelly here, Charles. I said, it's terribly, terribly good of you to invite me to my first, very first hunt. Not at all, my dear Charles. It's a pleasure. But tell me something. Anything, Rodney, what? Charles, why are you dressed like that? Well, you told me I should wear a red coat. Yes, but I didn't say anything about a white beard and a sack of toys. <laughs> Well, there you are. There'll be another Hornorama next week when the subject will be Ballet Masters, Are They Rotten to the Core? <laughs> also, in next week's programme, we'll be giving you an excerpt from the new film starring Gina Lotta Brigida and Sophia Loren, which is called The Elsie and Doris Water Story. <laughs> and Sir Bernard Docker will be reading a few extracts from his checkbook. So until next week then, this is Kenneth Horne saying goodbye for now and leaving you with this thought. If a watchmaker died and left 4,000 clocks, would it take long to wind up the estate? Good night. <laughs>been listening to or have just missed Beyond Our Ken, a sort of recorded radio show which gave employment to Kenneth Horne and also to Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marsden, Ron Moody, Patricia Lancaster, the Malcolm Mitchell Trio and the BBC Variety Orchestra conducted by Paul Fennelly. The script, believe it or not, was written and letters of complaint should be sent to Eric Merriman and Barry Took. However, the onus must inevitably fall on our producer, Jake's Brown. <laughs>